Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team Reunited once again. We're the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as recently by my good friend, Mr. JW Crewall. JW, how are you going, doing today? I am going and doing well, Riley. Perfect. Thank you so yes, much. Glad to hear that. <laughs> yes, yes. Sorry we missed last week, guys. I uh, was out of town, so that's on me out of town my sister's wedding so well not my sister my sister-in-law i guess she's my sister now i don't know whatever some people phrase it differently i i actually wanted to do like a very like statsy episode on the players cup last week but then i was feeling like very ill on the wednesday so i just slept instead okay okay full transparency to listeners i i felt like there was something going on because i like i had forgotten to tell you that i was going to be gone we had some excitement over the weekend and then i was like okay on monday i'm like oh riley it's up to you man to carry the torch you're gonna have to be alone again uh for the week and riley's like i knew you're like brewing something and then i didn't see an episode come out and i was like oh yeah. something bad. like you probably got hung sometime. up at work or something yeah i make a bonus up sometime with kind of stuff i was thinking about but nevertheless yeah. we're here we're back and we're raring to go how's it how's it been hanging man you since you've been mia yeah well it's it's been really good got to see a really great wedding um the house stuff you know if you've been watching any of the other content you'll know that that's the big excitement right now in the crewall family so things are good can't really complain job's going well i'm just waiting for the for the bad news to hit <laughs> don't say that Okay, well, I guess the bad news for me has been Players' Cup, but we'll get to that later on in the episode. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you can't have everything, right? That's right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's got to be some some weakness for me. But, for sure. Uh, sure. but how about you, Riley? What's new? Um, nothing, nothing much going on new. I'm actually going to see my family for the first time since Christmas of 2019. Uh, next week, so I'll be recording from my parents' house next week, which will be fun. Um, <laughs> But really, I've just uh, just been living it up, man. I've been been reading, I've been working out, making a lot of progress in both fronts. For the followers of the cast, you might remember my New Year's resolution to read a book a month. I'm now two books ahead of the curve, so so you, you can know. you can kind of slack a little bit in June. Yeah, and July. but I think I'm actually just going to keep going. I think I'm going to get probably four books ahead this month. Um, wow. Because the books I'm reading, I told you before how the books I was reading were like 1,200 page tomes, mm-hmm. uh, and I finished that series. So, you know, now I can read like much lighter <laughs> books. That sounds very nice. Yeah, <laughs> I That's can only good. imagine. I've also, I'm also becoming like a manager at work. At work, so I'm I'm taking a bunch of classes and stuff. And Whoa, that's sweet. Fun. So, is that um, like a pay increase or what? I, I believe so. Um, <laughs> The process is a little nebulous to me, but um, yeah, I'm excited for it at the least. Like, um, I think one of my my strengths professionally is like coaching people up and, um, you know, making them feel welcome and yeah, uh, and I try to yeah. show that through like in the cast as well. But uh, so that's where I want to like be able to give back to other people who are joining the company or like joining my team is sure that they have like a welcome fostering space to grow. Yeah. For sure, for sure. I could see you being good at that. Oh, yeah, I mean, things are going well. But things are, as ever, developing in the Pokemon world. W, there's lots of new cards since you were last on the podcast. I know, I know. And we're not going to cover everything, but these are just some of the some of the highlights that I think were um, worth noting. There were some new cards that were just released yesterday in Dream Ball and Treasure Energy that I want to make sure that we definitely hit on so treasure energy when attached to a pokemon this provides one colorless energy and has a really unique clause that we've kind of seen before uh, <laughs> in relation to the prize cards when you took this prize as a, you know as a face down prize card before putting it in your hand you can attach it to one of your pokemon instead so kind of similar to like a you know a jirachi prism star right that if it's prized and you take it you get some additional bonus effect well instead of taking an additional prize with jirachi prism star or you know whatever other 
you know, effects that there are that do something similar. You get to attach that energy to one of your Pokemon. So I think really cool. I'm always happy when they have that kind of prize card interaction because the prize cards and Pokemon are something that make it, you know, unique to that, to this game. And so to just have more interaction with the prizes, like that's, that's always cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're feeling especially lucky, you could uh, use your Jirachi Prism Star to hit a treasure energy. <laughs> that would be pretty busted, wouldn't it? So. There is also another card interacting with the prizes in Dream Ball, and Dream Ball is very similar effect. If you take it as a face-down prize card, you get the effect of that card. Now, Dream Ball, you can't play from your hand is like the difference there. But with Dream Ball, you get to put any Pokemon onto your bench right there. So you can yep. put a Stage so, 2 directly yep. onto your bench. Yep, exactly. And it doesn't state, you know, it doesn't have to be a non-V Pokemon, right? You could put a VMAX onto your bench. Right. So there's just like so much application for this one card. Uh, I, I've I've seen people be a little lukewarm on it or, or even sour on it, saying that it won't see play. But this one has like in my mind a ton of potential. You look at a card, it's just an item card. So it's not like it's even a supporter or something. Like it's not like there's some other additional restriction or like it's it's a one of card that you can only play in your you know, one of in your deck. Like you can play four of these guys. You can get them into the prizes with the uh, the, uh, the that shuffle peony or peony. peony, right? Peonia, peonia. There we go. Thank you. Uh, you can you know put them into your prizes, like intentionally stack them into your prizes, and then you get to get any Pokemon. There's no restriction there. So I think there's a lot of things that make this card seem really good. Uh, it doesn't have any kind of restrictive quality to it that I can tell. So feel like there's going to be some kind of application to this now is it going to see widespread play no no absolutely not <laughs> you know but uh there's going to be a deck out there that uses it and that utilizes it extremely well yeah i don't know if i'm quite as like overtly hot on it as you um but i do think like with the peonia there the potential is definitely there um what i'm looking for in dream ball is a a consistent way to like get it to your prizes. Peonia is obviously like an obvious um, way to do that. There, yep. I'm hoping there might be others that are a little simpler than a supporter. Um, and then I'm also looking for a way to take it out of your prizes consistently. So what I mean by that is, if you even if you have the craziest like stage two base deck in the world or Vmax deck in the world, you need to have a way to retrieve that dream ball from your prizes. So you need a way to take knockouts before then. Um, and that's the part that's, I think that's the piece of the puzzle that's missing for me right now. Um, right. This will kind of lead into the next set of cards we're talking about, but I'm looking to Sylveon VMAX as potentially being something that bridges that gap. Uh, just because the Sylveon V seems to have like a, with the, the badge that's associated with it, um, being able to reduce the prizes that Sylveon takes, and the fact we haven't seen the VMAX yet, I, I almost have an inkling that it'll interact with the prizes in some way. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see if maybe that's how it manifests. Um, nevertheless, like, super cool card, and I'm excited to see, like, how that that A and B, like, criterion yeah. got filled. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you nailed it right there when you said, like, there there is kind of that restrictive... Uh, sense to the card in in the fact that you have to take a knockout right like there's no other real way to draw a prize um other than to take i guess you could play four missing clover and expanded (laughs) (laughs) but that seems a little you know obtuse in any case (laughs) it'll be one way to put it yeah yeah it's a cool card even even if it never sees the light of day (laughs) in any capacity I'm just happy Pokemon Prince these cards. Okay, so moving on to maybe the more relevant, uh, but maybe less exciting cards. That is, alluded to it, the VMAXs of the Evolutions. So we don't have an evolution for the uh, Sylveon VMAX, but we do have one for every other VMAX. Uh, every other Evolution. Either. Oh, and no Leafeon. Good call. Yes, yes, yes. No Leafeon. But that is uh, heavily implied via the Frozen Leaf badge, where it says it attaches to a Leafeon or Glaceon. Anyway, so there are these uh, VMAXs, the Evolutions, and then they also have associative badges, the tool cards that go along with them. 
Um, you know, going down the list, I think uh, Vaporeon's really interesting here with the water pod attack. Put a Pokemon from your discard pile onto your bench and then attach up to three water energy from your discard pile to that Pokemon. Uh, seems like a really interesting concept, but generally speaking, these kinds of um, attacks that don't do damage and, you know, set up other Pokemon are generally not as good. Um, certainly some viability in the fact that Vaporeon just has a lot of health, but like you look at an attack like this, um, like Picarom, right. Has, has kind of a similar thing, right. Attach three energy from your deck to a Pokemon on your bench, right. You're setting up a Pokemon for the future, but you do damage, right. So, so you're putting more pressure on your opponent. Whereas this Vaporeon, you're taking something from the discard. So first you have to find Pokemon in the discard and put the water energy in the discard. So it's a little more restrictive and you're not doing any damage. So it seems a little hard to finagle that, uh, especially in the early game, right? When you're wanting to set up multiple Pokemon and then has a pretty, you know, meh attack, max <laughs> rapids, hundred damage, and then does a hundred more damage. If the opponent's active has any damage counters on it. So Vaporeon, eh, not, not too exciting, but Jolteon, on the other hand, I think has some very competitive viability. What yeah. do you think about this Jolteon VMAX? Yeah, and actually just to, to plug one more thing, the, the Vaporeon is actually a Rapid Strike Pokemon, which is a, a cool little extension of those <laughs> existing archetypes. Um, actually, as we go through this list, I'm surprised that Jolteon isn't a Rapid Strike Pokemon, because we've, we've seen yep. the lightning precedent with, um, with Zerora, as a as a rapid strike type and the attack on the Jolteon definitely fits in with like the rapid strike style um, so Jolteon VMAX has the max thunderclap attack and does 100 damage and then it does 100 more damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon that already has damage on it so um, you know you're effectively doing 200 damage with the attack but to two different Pokemon as long as there's damage in place somewhere on the board um, mm -hmm. that's pretty awesome I, I think you can find some really interesting use cases for this in decks that either utilize sniping or are looking to take like multi-hit knockouts or um, or even trying to set up like huge multi-prize turns. Uh, so I think this card is really interesting. The only thing that really holds it back right now is the extreme prevalence of Unbroken Bonds Mew. Um, but with that rotating in the near future and by the time we get this set, like really we'll have like two weeks of that Mew left. Um, I see a lot of potential for the Jolteon in like a multi-hit KO meta. Yeah, I think that's a great uh, great analysis of this card. It should be a really interesting one. I could see it being played in Expanded 2, potentially. Just, you know, you're looking for, always looking for Lightning-type evolution attackers to try to get around, you know, the Vileplumes and other wall decks in, in the Expanded. And I think the Snipe is uh, certainly something that you look for as being very strong there as well. So, Jolteon VMAX, love it, love it, love it. Moving on to Flareon. On VMAX, you bring up that uh, rapid strike of the Vaporeon. Well, Flareon is a single strike attacker. Max Eruption, Fire Colorless, Colorless, 100 damage, discard the top five cards of your deck. This deck does 100 damage for each energy card you discard it in this way. So maximum of, you know, do the math there, 500 damage. But getting those energy to the top is going to be a tall order. Yeah, the Flareon, I, I wish there was a little more oomph to it. Like, to me, it feels like... You're putting in a lot more work to get a Sandaconda in play, basically. <laughs> yeah. And like the Sandaconda deck, it only is one energy attachment and it's one prize and and it barely works. And so now you're looking at Flareon and your multi prize, your multiple attachments. Yeah, the damage is higher, but it doesn't really seem worth it to me. Um, mm. I wish there was like some other effect. That discarding those energy did like maybe for each energy you discard you can attach it somewhere or like something mm -hmm. like that. i think that would mm -hmm. be necessary to make this card viable sure yeah i i agree with you there i mean it just feels like we've seen these kinds of attacks before and uh they've generally never worked like not <laughs> only are you variable in your attack power but you're just straight up discarding cards. So like there's, there's a very like limited amount of time for you to be able to make use of this attack. <laughs> and so a lot of things kind of, kind of add up uh, not in Flareon's favor. Yeah, of course there are um, more than just the original three evolutions. We have uh, the gen two as well. So we have Espeon and Umbreon VMAX Espeon with the sun notification ability 
as long as it's in play any of your pokemon with energy attached aren't affected by the effects of your opponent's attacks and then it just has basically psychic as his attack but for 60 times so espion's cool i mean it seems like largely it's a tech more than like something that you'd rely on as an attacker and maybe it'll find its way into something like a uh like a calyrex shadow rider kind of deck as a if there's ends up being some effects of attacks that really harm it otherwise i don't really see like a huge place for espion there is a really cool alternate art of it though that will certainly be worth a lot of money (laughs) i have been in love with some of the arts that they put out did you see that they're putting out a kind of a Japanese art style Cramorant and Pikachu. I did see that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm in love. Bro. Yeah. Those I'm are really, love. really cool. <laughs> they are doing great things. It's amazing. Like why weren't they putting out great art? Well, they were putting out great art back when I started, but like, why weren't they putting out great art when I, you know, 10 years ago when I could buy the cards for, you know, 20 bucks, you know, what's the <laughs> deal here? I'm for just sure. Kidding. I'm just kidding. It's it's uh, I mean, it's I great think the stuff, real though. thing is like they put out lots of great art over the years, but it's only at this point in my life that I could like that I have the money to buy part. it. <laughs> <laughs> and now is when uh, it's like all time high, like expensive. It's, it's the, that's how I feel with houses, buddy. That's how I feel with houses. So. All right, moving on down to the Umbreon VMAX single strike once again here. Ability Dark Signal. A lot of people are talking about this card for Eternatus, but I'm not so sure. It says, when you play this card from your hand to evolve one of your Pokemon during your turn, switch one of your opponent's bench Pokemon with their active. So it's basically a Gust, a Lycanroc GX-style effect. Um, but I think there are a few things that just maybe don't make it work that well in Eternatus. First of all, Eternatus is just super fast already, so I don't know that slamming in a Stage 1 is going to you know, be anything that improves your deck like you're adding some kind of inherent inconsistency uh to the deck and secondly the attack is just never going to be powered up in an eternatus deck so i think there's a little bit of a liability with the two prize retreat um you got a kind of mediocre attack that'll never be powered up and the ability isn't particularly good so i i cannot see umbreon being more than like a one one maybe in eternatus and and i honestly don't even think that because we have boss so i I don't know unless you're really trying to boss things but like what what are you trying to get on the bench that you can't just use boss's orders for anyway yeah i i feel pretty similarly um you know obviously this is a great and like precedented as great ability in that you know dark signal but there's the eyes whatever you want to refer to it as um, bright eyes, all that kind of stuff. But the uh, the fact that Eternatus is, A, it's trying to max out on consistency, and this just muddles that down. Uh, and B, like you're already playing a heavy count of boss, and you have that Crobat engine that lets you draw into the boss pretty reliably. Now, will this open up potential plays that you couldn't get otherwise, like the research of the Marnie plus boss? Of course. Like that is a, a given by virtue of how the way the card works. Is that actually like adding a value to the Eternatus deck? On average, I would say no. I mean, we've seen them stray away from playing other stage ones. Like the Toxicroak variant is definitely very much on the low right now compared to just playing as consistent as possible. And I I don't really see a reason for a deck like Eternatus to stray away from that formula. Yep. Absolutely, yeah. CB uh, Giel in the chat says, Umbreon's ability is nice, but we have enough gust options right now. It doesn't seem worth it. I mean, and there's even things like, you know, Escape Rope that you could play in Eternatus right now that just isn't being played. Um, you know, Fion, I I guess, you know, okay, of course you can't play that, you know, with more than four Pokemon anybody. But there's just, all I'm saying is like, there's other options out there that, uh, you know, people aren't playing right now in Eternatus. So I don't know that taking out cards to put in Umbreon is going to, be you know what you want to do however if there was ever a deck that you know maybe could fit it in like you look at eternatus hammers you know you just take out four hammers slapping a 2-2 umbreon you know maybe maybe and maybe the umbreon v is particularly good maybe that has an ability that just makes a lot of sense you know uh, a couple of damage you know maybe it's like kind of a boosted zigzagoon or something where you play it down and it does two damage 
to one of your opponents. But like, there could be something like that where it's like, oh, okay, the Umbreon V is actually very good for the Eternatus deck. I think Thus, the Umbreon V it is just revealed makes... as well. Oh, it is. Okay. okay. Yeah, That's it's not. Any I haven't good, seen though. it yet. Well, okay, then then scratch scratch that whole uh, cut that bit. Okay, <laughs> cut that segment there, right? Yeah, we'll cut that in post. Yeah, yeah. All right. So moving on from the Umbreon, we have our final evolution. Uh, that has been revealed. Of course, we talked that there's Leafeon and Sylveon still to come, but Glaceon VMAX ability Crystal Veil prevent all damage to this Pokemon by attacks from your opponent's Pokemon VMAX, except for Glaceon VMAX. <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, yeah, seems weird, seems unusual, but I guess they wanted to prevent some kind of weird like like untimed thing, right? Or, or, or timing issue, right? In competitive play where you just have like two Glaceon decks and they just can never hit each other. <laughs> I don't know. That seems horrible. But anyway, so a uh, similar ability to Zamazent that we currently have, uh, which makes me like th- it makes this card immediately kind of creditable. Like I-, I give this card a lot of credit just on the ability alone. And then it has an attack that's pretty decent as well. Max Icicle 150. Attack does 30 damage to one of your opponent's bench Pokemon. So a little bit of a, a boosted Night Spear for those of you that have uh, that know Darkrai EX. What do you think about this card, Riley? I'm not super hot on it, to be honest, at least in the immediate future. Uh, mostly because I think Zamazenta fills that job better at the moment. You know, it's a it's a basic as opposed to effectively a stage one. It also is weak to metal, which is definitely a demerit in my books. Uh, you don't <laughs> want to be weak to the metal type. Uh, so I'm not a huge fan of Glaceon as it stands right now. I think Glaceon is a card with like some longer term potential, like give it, you know, another rotation and all of a sudden like VMAXs are, are, are all the play and there's no Zamazenta anymore because it's been rotated. And, you know, maybe Glaceon finds a niche at that point. I would be surprised if it's the water deck of choice, though, if, in its immediate release. I think people would rather play something like uh, the Ice Rider Calyrex instead. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So Glaceon VMAX rounding out our evolutions. We got a couple of tools here. Frozen Leaf Badge, Moon and Sun Badge, Elemental Badge, Ribbon Badge. Uh, any of these stand out to you? I don't think we need to go through them all, but any stand out to you, Riley, as being uh, particularly playable? Um, Yeah, I, I think of the badges that the Elemental and the Snow and Leaf Badges are the most interesting. Uh, elemental basically being like a... Uh, what was the name of the tool that you would put on the, like the Garchomp? Like a like Garchomp a seat. counter game, not like kind of like a counter game, but it always works. Um, so, um, <laughs> what was that? Am I missing it from from recently? No, it was it's an old card. Yeah. The, the one you yeah, put count, on the SPs. Yeah, yeah, it's counter game, bro. That's not counter game. Counter game is a new card. What the heck? It's uh team galactics wow okay a, i can see it i can a, see it yeah i can see the card the team galactic card it you know it's got a little uh, circle on it and it has a little like, jutting out piece anyway yeah, yeah yeah it provides a colorless energy and the elemental badge is the same thing so if you're vaporeon jolteon or flareon the original three you pay one less colorless so that's obviously great um and if there's ever like another vaporeon jolteon or flareon like you just slap that in so that's cool um Snow and Leaf Badge is the other one that's interesting to me. I'm going to feel so huh. stupid when you look this up and got the name. I know, of it I know, tool. I know, I know. Um, and Snow and Leaf Badge is the other one that appeals to me. It reduces Glaceon and Leafeon's retreat cost to zero. Um, so that definitely is something that the Glaceon deck could benefit from. It's just like pivoting around a lot of different Glaceons um, that are all immune to VMAXs. Uh, so I think oh. that is actually good. The Sun and Moon Badge and the, and the Ribbon Badge are kind of meh. It's just, bro, it's just energy gain. It's just energy gain? <laughs> <laughs> what, a, what a simple name. Yeah, very self-explanatory. Well, uh, yeah, you're like, you're, I, I loved it because you're like, you're explaining it. And you're like, yeah, it's like, it gives you an energy <laughs> when you SP. play it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was going to say like SP gain or something. If left to my uh, yes, yes, yes. Um, so... So yeah, I, I think I'll, I think the tools are okay. I think Snow and Leaf and Elemental definitely are the best of the group, though. Do you have any dissenting thoughts there? Nah, no, I think I mean I, I don't really think that many of them will see play, and it, I mean it all just kind of 
also depends on what Pokemon, right, are going to be played. Like if, you know, the Umbreon never sees play, then you'll never see the Sun and Moon badge, right? So, uh, but happy again that they're printing these kinds of cards to to boost these, you know, various, you know, bad or good archetypes. Very cool. So that is all for... There's actually one new card I wanted to mention that wasn't in the EV badge as well. And that is the... Uh, we talked about this card. It's the, oh, we did, we did, we did. It's I the new Zorark card. So uh, Zorark has the ability, Illusion Transformation, where basically you swap the Zorark with another Stage 1 in your discard pile. So that is super, super cool. Owns, opens up all sorts of um, opportunities to play sort of like Stage 1 toolboxy kind of decks like you would with Ditto Prism Star. Um, the difference is like you directly evolve the Zorark and then swap it as opposed to... Um, evolving the ditto into the respective thing that you want so i don't know if it'll find immediate play but i love stage one kind of decks are are some of my favorites in pokemon i think they're really interesting and versatile so i like pokemon giving support to stage ones agreed and that is the end of the cards (laughs) and cut okay so now we're gonna move on to the card of the day which i have the uh pleasure of bringing to you all and um before i do that i just want to say uh, if you have any questions in the chat for the end of the cast uh please feel free to to bring those up but my card today is a card that i collected a number of i think i have about i don't know 10 of them and that that for me constituted like a large collection of one single card about eight or nine years ago uh but this card just immediately caught my eye as being a promo that was unique weird unusual and i ended up trading some guy on poke gym you know some hollow for a bunch of these cards i don't really know why but i did and i don't even know how much it costs now i don't i mean probably not much it doesn't matter <laughs> but it is a a black star snorlax card that's very cute because it has a little Eevee sleeping next to him, and it's got a bunch of Zs in the background. So in the card, there's a big yellow Z. It's it's really gaudy, actually, because the the Z is like the focal point of the uh-huh. picture. And then like you just happen to have a Snorlax there, right? So then the Snorlax is doing, you know, he's doing a Z, 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 and then there's a big Z. And uh it's it's a pretty just unusual card because like the main more than 50 percent of the card art is a z but for some reason i love it i think it's a cute card you got evie sleeping you got snorlax sleeping it's like me and my wife you know that would be a an actual shot of me and my wife uh, <laughs> so <laughs> so i love uh that snorlax i think it's a i think it's a great card the early brewings of of Eevee and Snorlax tag team. I, yeah, that's right. I hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> that's so poggers. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> that's super cool. I don't. I don't know if I know the card you're referring to. What's the promo number? It is promo number forty nine, I believe. Yeah. You want me to send you the pick? Oh, I do know this card. Yeah, yeah, with the gigantic yellow Z. I was like, my mind's eye was picturing it totally differently based on your description. Ah, uh, no, yes. yes, yes. Yeah, and it kind of looks like it's drawn in colored pencil almost. Yes, definitely, right. It looks like a first sketch. Yeah, that card's <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, cool one, for sure. So, okay, card of the day over. Let's move into probably the meat and potatoes of the episode. That is Player's Cup 4. So Player's Cup 4 brings with it a lot of angst, a lot of excitement. Uh, I think there are a number of people that are, you know, probably pretty happy with where they're at right now. Probably a lot of people that are listening to this cast and maybe don't even care because they're already done with their keys. But there's a lot of us that haven't started or have been slowly making our way through the keys. And I think that's both of us, Riley. Um, so, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and that's fine. People do it at their own pace. I am 15 keys in and I am not doing well. I'll be straight up. I haven't found a deck that I like. I was on, I think I've lost in the first round. So one of the things I was really proud of in Players Cup 3 
Uh, I was I was really happy that I only lost in the first round. I think I, I think if I'm rem- I could be remembering completely wrong, but it was like five, maybe maybe seven or less times. I wanted to say it was around five, but it might have been like a little higher. So maybe like seven or less times. So I was really happy that you know I was always like at least you know grinding out a point from every tournament, right? And that's mm-hmm. like just kind of showing me that consistency and uh, uh, you know being being there in in the conversation to to get the three or five points that, that you really kind of need to aim for to do well. But coming into Players Cup 4, had that same kind of excitement. Started off with Pikaram, just really, I don't know, wasn't finding it to be particularly good. Switched over to Rillaboom for a bit, switched to Eternatus, Luke Metal. I've been playing a you know, bunch of different things, trying to find a groove. And I just haven't found it. There's a streak of five tournaments in a row where I lost in the first round turn after turn after turn after turn. And it was all just the, you know, ridiculous stuff ranging from the donk to, you know, the grindiest game where my opponent just had one little out and then they hit it or playing, you know, a terrible matchup where they just set up perfectly. I think I had that one time uh, against a, uh, against a, a mad party where it was like, they literally couldn't have picked out, you know, a better set of cards, right. They were, discarding everything and, and energy was flowing and it was all perfect. Uh, and those things happen for sure. So uh, I have had a bit of a rough start here to players cup four. I am not on the pace that I need to be. Um, but you know, I, I decided to kind of take a step back. We've preached that a lot. It's just like, Hey, if you're, if you're not quite doing what you need to do, if you find yourself rage starting tournaments, um, find yourself, you know, just not really enjoying yourself playing the tournaments, which I certainly wasn't. Take a step back. So, Riley, talk to me a little bit about, well, I was going to say, talk to me a little bit about your Players' Cup 4 experience, but I don't think you've started yet, right? No, I'm still at zero keys used. Um, <laughs> and to be honest, I've had like a, almost like a little bit of tournament anxiety heading into this for similar yeah. reasons that you've struggled, and that's I'm struggling to find a deck that really jives with me right now. Um, yeah. And I don't know if it's I'm not a huge fan of the meta or the decks right now just aren't screaming at me or maybe there's just too many decks that are in contention right now that it's giving me like a little bit of uh, analysis paralysis. Like, but yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been a little tough for me and uh, I was generally like feeling a little fatigued. So I also kind of just like preemptively took a step back as opposed to um just kind of like suffering through and, and feeling like it was a grind because at the end of the day I wanted it to be like a fun enjoyable experience um mm-hmm. so i'm planning to start over the next few days here probably over the weekend still not settled on exactly what i want to play though which is a shame yeah yeah i think i think for me trying to get out of that rut you know if you ask me like what what would you try to do i've i've started my keys i'm not doing as well as i thought um you know my only suggestion the only advice that i can give myself is to just you know play the numbers i think i hit a pretty bad streak of just bad variants, you know, and I think to do, to do particularly well, um, you know, you have to have some, some luck on your side, right? And we say this for any tournament, like any tournament that you win, um, or, or do well at, like, you're going to have a round or two or three or four, like that you just get a little bit lucky. So, you know, spread that out over, you know, 50 tournaments, 50 mini tournaments, and you have the same idea, right? So I think I've just been hitting on that kind of lower end of the variance, um, which has been a shame, you know, certainly you want to, you want to go above that, but, uh, uh, you know, just continue to, um, uh, play the numbers, you know, you're, you're, it's a numbers game really. So if you're in a rough patch, but you do still believe in the deck, you know, you've done your testing with that deck. You feel like, okay, this is a good list or, or maybe even if you've, you know, ripped the deck, like, you know, maybe if you've net decked the deck and you feel really confident in it and you know, you're not misplaying. Right, because that's another big thing. Like, are you playing the deck correctly? And that that's a that's another thing. If you assume that you're playing the deck correctly, like, just go with the numbers, stick with it. Um, would be my best advice. That's you know, kind of what I'm trying to tell myself right now is I'm in a rut, but uh, you take you stretch that out out over 50 tournaments, and like, I should start seeing uh, some success if you just again run the run the numbers on it. So it's tough though. It's tough. There's definitely um, anxiety that comes with doing poorly. And then you're trying to think about, you know, you get even more in your own head when <laughs> you do poorly. You're like, should I change deck? Should I 
know, mess around with things? Should I play different texts? And uh, that can be really scary for me because I expect some meta when maybe it was just, uh, you know, there's such a crapshoot with the Players Cup. There's really just, you have no way to, to really tell what you're going to see. I've seen so many crazy random things that I would never really expect to see in, a, in an actual tournament. Yeah, it's a, it's a Wild West out there. Um, yeah. You know, keeping in with that advice, I would also say, you, you know, all of these, take each tournament one at a time, take each game one at a time. Um, try not to let your past 15 keys overly influence your next 35. Like, take the lessons you learn from them. Um, but even if you get zero points in those first 15 keys, you could theoretically win every tournament thereafter and be one of the top rated people in the world. So, you know, don't try, don't ever count yourself out unless it's like truly shut and locked out at that. But uh, always just keep pressing forward, take each game one at a time and play yep. your heart out in each one of those. I know it, it sounds a little cliche, but uh, you know, if, if you believe in the deck again, if you're, if you've tested it and it, and it seems like it's working out for you or, you know, in testing and then you get to the tournaments and it's not working out, you know, just make sure your play is under control, right? Make sure you're checking your prizes. You're doing everything in the game that, uh, you know, you can do to, you know, may, just make sure that you got that, right? Make sure you're not misplaying yourself out of games or anything like that, right? And then, um, you know, just, yeah, play play the numbers, you know, play the numbers. If you know you're doing those things, numbers dictate that you're, you're probably going to have success, you know, assuming you're playing a, a reasonable archetype, reasonable, you know, tier one, archetype i think you're gonna do pretty well so don't get too discouraged if you're like me trying to tell myself this so i'm going through it you guys are going through it too you know share some love with me on twitter or something like that because i could use it um but uh but yeah that's that's what i would say that's just you know kind of kind of the name of the game you know you take a i I tell this to my coaching uh clients too is like you take a long form approach to the game and you're gonna be more successful uh, I, I think I personally think, or, or it's not going to, you're not going to burn out as fast. I should say, you're not going to be necessarily more or less successful, but you're not going to burn out as fast. So if you're taking everything, you know, one tournament at a time, like I need to win this, or I need to make, you know, top 256 of players cup. Like if you're taking it really like literally like that, you're going to, you know, be disappointed more often than not. Cause we're a game of variance, you know, we're a game of, of luck in, in a lot of cases, or a lot of things you can do to mitigate that. But at the end of the day, there's going to be things that you can't control. And so if you put all your eggs in one basket and you say to yourself, I need to do this, I need to do this. I need to win this tournament. I need to, you know, it's, it's going to let you down. So take that long form approach, make sure you have your fundamentals under control. Uh, try not to practice those in the player's cup. Uh, if you can avoid it, uh, and uh, and let the numbers kind of kind of work themselves out. Yeah. Um, I will say though, in slight opposition, like you are going to have unlucky games, but make sure mm-hmm. that you don't attribute anything that goes poorly exclusively to luck. Um, like if you just had the worst possible opening hand ever and get donked, that's one thing. Um, but make sure you're thinking like critically about the the actions that you took along the way that maybe contributed to the, the end of the game luck one way or the other. Yeah, sure. Sure. Absolutely. And there's, there's even things that you can learn about optimal play in, in donks, you know, and that sounds really stupid to say, but like you're there anyway, like you might as well, you know, try to be as optimal as you can. So there was one um, tournament that I played just to give an example. I think, I don't know. I think it was with the turn. I'm trying to give what happened, but I don't remember exactly. But I think it was. <laughs> I was playing with the turnitus. It was in the early game, and I benched another Pokemon to prevent me from getting like knocked out and then losing the game by bench out. But what I didn't really account for was that it would take my opponent just a lot of resources to get that knockout, and it was like extremely unlikely. So then on the top deck, you know, I didn't have a draw supporter, I didn't have a quick ball or anything. On the top deck, I top decked a communication, and it just, you know, I should have just not benched that extra Pokemon, and then I would have had a calm out to get a Crobat to maybe get uh, some things moving. So I don't think I win that, even if I don't you know, bench that because he was just setting up a bunch of stuff on his bench and, and, you know, getting a a very solid board position. But I, you know, definitely learned from that, from that experience being like, well, you know, I I maybe had a better chance 
if I just be a little bit more patient. So, you know, you can, you can learn even in the worst circumstances too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So looking at the players cup four, what would you say are your top three picks right now, JW? Yeah. Um, if I'm playing players cup, uh, you know, if I'm, you know, finishing my tournaments, I'm either going to Turnitus or I'm going Picaram. You said give three, but those are really going to be my only two. I would also consider roping in rapid strike or food, depending on how I'm feeling. But, um, it does feel like Luke metal is a fairly big presence. That's one of the more popular decks that I've seen. Um, uh, but I've tried Luke metal myself and I don't, I don't like it. Cause I seem to hit when I play Luke metal, I seem to run into the Eternatus players that are playing like two or more Phoebe. And then that just ruins the whole, you know, ruins the whole the vibe is ruins the whole vibe. Yeah, the, vi- the vibes are the vibes are definitely lacking at that point. So, um, I I'm not a big fan of of looking up metal because you're losing a really good matchup in that uh, in that Eternatus, right? Now they're playing Phoebe, you know, maybe two Phoebe in some cases, maybe two Phoebe and a Palpad, one Phoebe Palpad, um, Sableye, you know, some combination of those cards, and that just makes it a lot harder for you to win because if they can knock out one. Um, you know, one of your Zamazentas just basically for free with their Eternatus, they're more than likely going to be able to make it past the second one somehow, some way. So it's, you're losing that really good matchup. Um, and then the rest of the field isn't, I, I don't, I don't find the rest of the field particularly favorable, favorable. That's what I, I've had um, a lot of issues in my player's cup run of just not being able to draw enough cards. And my opponent's just getting set up. I'm forced to attack a little bit earlier than I want to. And I haven't drawn enough through my deck to be able to set up my board position. So then in the late game, I'll get Marnied and I'll have no resources in hand because they're all kind of those early game resources that I wasn't able to use up. And I wasn't able to intrepid sword my energy onto my uh, Zashins and things. So I've played some Luke Metal. I've had, I mean, it's been the most success that I've had, but (laughs) it's never felt good playing it. And I always... I am seeing kind of the uh, the 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 rougher sides of the format. You know, I'm losing to the Eternatus as I'm losing to the the fire decks, and um, it doesn't even feel good against you know things like Picaram. So, I, some people really love it. I know Riley, you have counterpoints to probably pretty much everything I just said. No, I mean I think you bring up some valid points, and I think uh, you know it's easy to say as well. Like, sorry, my metal has kind of been running the scene, and a lot of these online tournaments, you know. How does that translate to the Players' Cup? Um, and I kind of want to harken back to what I said the other week about how Rapid Strike was a phenomenal choice for, you know, the Players' Cup, uh, the finals, where it's a one, but it isn't necessarily the best choice for individual events. I mean, we're seeing Rapid Strike has kind of petered out of the format for the moment. Um, I kind of see this as being a very similar situation where in these controlled settings where you know a lot of what people are going to be playing going in, um, the Carl Memo is a pretty solid choice, especially when decks like, you know, the, the Rapid Strike especially, but, you know, all sorts of decks that just kind of auto-lose hold to the Lucario Memo that's when you want to take that to those tournaments, and you usually have a better estimate of that in these, like, online scene tournaments. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Players' mm-hmm. Cup, I feel like people, you know, people whip out those fire decks like it's nothing at Players' Cup events. <laughs> um... And, you know, like you said, decks like the Picaram are are challenging. Um, uh-huh. And you can find yourself in sticky situations and all sorts of matchups that ended up, like, prepared for you. Um, so I'm not a huge fan of players' cup Lucaro Metal. I might feel differently taking it to an individual, like, online tournament. Um, but I think the players' cup meta is just so unknown going in. And in my experience, like, Fire is very heavily played in players' cup. Um that I would feel a little hesitant to play it. Um, yeah. My top three is kind of echoes yours, although I'm not a huge Eternatus stand just because I don't really like to play it. Um, I definitely think Picaram is a solid choice. Um, I kind of want to have Rapid Strike in there. I think it has decent matchups outside of like Lucario Metal. Um, yeah. And some of these like very specific Mewtwo decks that are built to beat Rapid Strike. Um so I think that's like a, a definitely a viable choice for Players Cup, whereas it might struggle on kind of like the counterpoints of Carmel. It might struggle in an online event, but in Players Cup, it might be a better choice. 
Um, and then my third option would be um, one of those like Mewtwo variants, be it a like a more of a tempo Zard welder deck that has a Mewtwo in it, or um, or more of like a Mewtwo grass deck with Rillaboom, or even like the Psychic Mewtwo. I think all of those are pretty decent decks, um, and they're all very fun to play, which I think sure. is a huge merit to them. So, sure. I um, I've been I've been finding the format. I mean, I don't know. People are, you know, uh, always hating on things, but I've been finding this format to be fairly no, I think this, I think this deep. Format's good. Fairly deep. I think yeah. this format's good. That's not that's not what I'm saying. I just think the Mewtwo decks are really fun because Mewtwo is a really fun card. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So somewhere in that like tempo Zard to to um like Grass Rillaboom Psychic Mewtwo range, I think those are like all really fun viable third choices for me. But Pikaram is obviously. Like I'm a huge stand, so that's that's up there as like my number one choice right now. Um, yeah, yeah. It, so yeah, it goes I, on the tag team podcast. I know, I know, it's crazy. Yeah, and you talk about you know Rapid Strike kind of petering off. I don't think it's necessarily you know it's still one of those very heavily played decks. Um, but I think what you mean by petering off is that it's not that kind of dominant force, right? It's not that that. Well, uh, I mean, you if know, you if you look at just like outright tournament results, it's been struggling recently. Um, but I think that's, you know, when you look at the meta of these tournaments, you're looking at lots of Lucario medals, you're looking at lots of Rillaboom Mewtwo decks, you're looking at Psychic Mewtwo, and it's like, you know, Rapid Strike doesn't have a place in that, <laughs> that event. So, um, you know, I think it just varies from tournament to tournament. Like, if you're looking at just lineups of Fire decks and Peak Rom, then Rapid Strike is, like, for sure, still awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. So, you know, I think there's lots of good decks. We, I feel like we say this about every player's cup, but this is a very open meta. There's plenty of things that you can play. Um, don't feel the need to lock yourself in based on our footsteps and what we're laying out here. Um, just make sure you have a good reason for picking the deck. You know, if you can't explain it, then maybe it's not the deck to pick. <laughs> 100% agree. Trust the testing that you've done on your own. Um, you know, trust trust other people's results, I would say. There's just more data available to us than there's ever been before. And, um, you know, I think it would be very unwise not to, you know, at least look at it, you know, see, okay, hey, I'm going to choose this deck. Here's what it, you know, did in this metagame. And, you know, here are the, you know, top five lists. And here are kind of the text that everybody's playing. And uh, just just find that stuff out. We never had that, you know, when I was starting. So, so be grateful and uh, use that stuff as a tool to help you uh help you perform better so great well we do have some questions in the chat yeah i was just gonna say we got to get to some uh some questions so i'll start from the top here with cb geel asking what we think about gardevoir vmax right now obviously metal is still a factor but there's a lot of psychic weak matchups in play um i would say the metal is outweighing the psychic weak matchups right now i think uh you'll find yourself struggling more against the metal decks and you'll find yourself thriving against the Urshifu. Right. Right. That's a, that's a really strong point. And um, just the, the problem with the Gardevoir VMAX is just that it's, it takes a ton of energy, right? Three energy on a stage, you know, on a stage one is just going to be lagging pretty far behind a lot of these other decks. So I just be a little bit nervous about that as well. Getting the energy attached. Yeah. Um, not necessarily a question, but Deluxe brings up, I only play three boss right now in Eternatus, and thinks that consistency of having more Pokemon available to bench and, and not having to play supporters and being able to more flexibly play draw supporters is a is a merit to Umbreon and that it might end up being a better option. Yeah, I would say I, like, I see that, but I think one of yeah. the hardest parts of Eternatus is actually getting out the stage ones. Um, so Umbreon isn't like super immediately accessible, especially if you're playing a thin line. Um, and I think you're pretty right. decent off with like a four research for Marnie count. Like, I don't think you need any more draw supporters than that. And yeah, I mean, there's still play four boss along that. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, there is obviously that argument, right. Where you could be like, well, I can, I can basically play two supporters in the same turn. I can go boss, uh, via the Umbreon ability, right. Bring up something on the bench. Uh, but I can also play my draw supporter, my disruption supporter uh, in the same turn. And so, of course, there's going to be that trade-off with this kind of card. But 
Um, like you said, Riley, I think you are going to prioritize a different stage one and turn it into VMAX. So normally, at least most games I'm playing, you know, I'm going for one and turn it into VMAX. And then with my second com or my second great ball, I'm going to get out the second one because that first Eternatus probably in danger of being knocked out. And if it is, you know, I'm going to lose a bunch of bench Pokemon. So I'm trying to get <laughs> at least two Eternatus out to try to make sure that I have, you know, the attackers that I need to kind of finish the game off. So um, it's just not a high priority. I guess you could argue that you would rather have the, uh, the you know, gust in the late game. But I almost would argue the opposite. And normally you want the gust in the early game to try to like slow your opponent down and try to bring up stuff that they don't want to have active, right? Like the the scariest thing I, in the format right now, I think is is a turn to 270 boss, you know, Eternatus. Like that is such, you know, an unstoppable force. I think that's where you, you know, kind of want most of your uh resources to go to so yeah i understand I, you know as i think about it more i feel like i'd feel a lot better about the card if there was ultra ball but there isn't <laughs> mm, mm, yeah that's very fair very fair too um we also got a question from manderson uh some v maxes fit into the dynamax category and others into gigantamax and we even have eternatus as an Eternamax. uh do you think there will be any specific cards that call out those keywords um, to be honest, like I kind of doubt it, at least in the immediate future. If there is, it'll probably be like almost a joke or a, a gimmick card, is my guess. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I see anything like that coming out, but it's a cool thought. I wish they would do a little bit more tie-in to uh, to the video games. Yeah, I think those are those are the main questions we got here today. JW, anything else that you want to call out? Before we wrap up. <laughs> Um, what can I say? What can I say? Thank you guys for being uh, great listeners. Again, I'm always like reminded of how great our, our listeners are when we, you know, we miss with this is our first week missed last week because Riley was sick and I was out of town. That was our first week missed in what? Mo- I mean, certainly months, right? Uh, At least but then since I always, Christmas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I always get these messages, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, where, where's the, Where's the podcast? I get I get multiple messages. Uh, and so just thank you guys so much for being so loyal, for enjoying the show. And uh, yeah, we do it for you. So thank you so much. So be sure to check out all of our social medias. That's on Twitter. We're Smiles with Riles, Real John Walter, and Tag Team Pokemon. On twitch.tv, you can catch us at Munner if you want to watch the show live, or if you want to check out JW's stream, you can catch things like the Full Grip online series and JW's day to day streams uh, at Flex Daddy Righteous. And if you want to support the show, be sure to check out Full Grip Games and FullGripCodes.com. Thank you so much. Be sure to rate and review if you enjoyed it, uh, or if you didn't, tell us what we can do better, and we will catch you next time. Peace. See ya!